I'd invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray at this time that you would speak in ways that we can hear you. Lord, if there's anything weighing on us or distracting us, give us grace to lift those up to you so that we can be attentive to your word and the work you want to do this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. Please be seated. All right, I I had this... uh, Do you remember that day this week when it was all snowy and gloomy and awful? I wrote the introduction to the sermon on that day. So don't don't look out the glorious windows and uh, please. (laughs) Uh, But do you know how we're, we're in the heart of winter right now, yes? And it's dark and gloomy. And I don't know about you, but at this time of year, I tend to look forward to... Um, summer vacation and I start planning summer vacation because what better to do on these dark gloomy days like this and in order to plan I often think about past summer vacations and the wonders that we had so last summer um, we went to Alma with my family and uh, and it was a great time we we ate we played Uh, it, it was a good time except for the times where it wasn't Right? The, when we're in the car and there's all of these, uh, are we there yet? Um, the stairs in this cottage, they weren't uniform in height. And every one of my kids, I think, fell on those stairs. And, and there were tears. But you don't think about those things, right? You think of the bright, happy, shiny moments. Yes? We are on the verge of going into Lent. And Lent, for many of us, is a hard time. It's a, it's a season of self-denial. It's a season of, of deeper prayer. It's a season of compassion as we think about giving alms to the poor and things like that. And for many of us, we get cranky. Am I, is that true? You take chocolate away from Carol, she gets cranky. <laughs> and we need to extend a special grace to each other in Lent because oftentimes we just lose our temper with each other. Have you noticed that? 
Be on the guard for that this Lent and see if you're shorter with people. I can't possibly get any shorter than I already am. Um, (laughs) But anyway, it's amazing that as we enter the season, the first thing we do is we remember the transfiguration when Jesus is transformed and becomes dazzlingly bright. And Jeannie, my phone is malfunctioning, so I'm going to have to ask you to change slides when I need them, but not just yet. Thank you. Um, And so uh, one of the things is, is that we are remember the glory of something in order to carry us through the harder times. We remember the good parts of vacation to get us through the darker parts of winter. In the Gospel of Matthew, this is the moment, the transfiguration where Jesus decides, or the, the journey starts towards the cross. There's this wonderful mountaintop experience before we go there. If you could hit the next slide. We're, we're not sure which mountain um, Jesus was on. He was in this region. There are these two mountains. The Mount Tabor is, is the favorite choice. This is where Jesus took the, uh, the disciples for this transfiguration moment. Why is it the, the favorite choice? Because it's more accessible for tourists. <laughs> but another, another runner-up is, is Mount Hermon. And in the ancient Near East, mountaintops were where you encountered God. You look at the, the Exodus reading today, that's where Moses got the Ten Commandments, right? And the, the glory of God descended on Mount Sinai, and, and Moses waited seven whole days before he entered the cloud, and then he was up there for 40 days But it was this mountaintop experience. That's where he encountered God. And we use the same language in our spirituality today, right? If we've had a really intense spiritual experience, we say, man, I was on the mountaintop. But oftentimes, most often, we're not on the mountaintop. We are in the valley. And this is where Lent and and, and our whole spiritual lives really comes into focus, is that our intent in our spiritual life is to know God better. Could you switch to the next slide? Do you know what? That, that's, that's the ziggurat of Ur. Ur. Um, that's in Babylon. They don't have many mountains there. But the ancient people, they knew that in order to encounter God, you needed to get up high in the sky where God was, right? And they would make these man-made mountains. Ziggurats. This is kind of like a, the Babylonian version of a pyramid. It gets you into the sky. And, and so they would build these things in order to have places of worship. Here's the thing, guys. In our spiritual lives, if the focus is my peace or my sense of fulfillment or my joy, oftentimes what we're doing is we're constructing our own mountain trying to get to God. We need to remember that God came down. Jesus was born in a stable so that we don't have to construct the mountains. Our focus cannot be on our personal peace or joy or whatever. Our goal, our focus needs to be Jesus himself. And when Jesus himself is our focus and our goal, the side effects are peace and joy. And the more we try to construct our own peace or joy, the further it seems to get from us. Why does the transfiguration matter, do you think? There's lots of reasons. It's kind of one of the most bizarre stories in the Bible, I think. 
So I'd like to look at why does this matter and why, why should we be focusing on it just before we enter into this season of Lent. And I think that's the last slide there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the parallels here between Moses and, and this transfiguration, there are many. They go up on a mountain six days after something happened. Peter had just confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one. He was the son of God. Six days later, he, and, oh, and then he says, when Jesus says, great, yes, I am, and I'm going to die, and then three days rise again, and Peter says, no, 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 no. You're never going to die, and, and you're going to be successful. There's no cross in your future, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, right? Just after he called him the rock, he calls him Satan. It's not because he didn't have the intention here. So anyway, six days after that episode, he goes up in the mountain with these, with these disciples and the glory of God comes, not as a consuming fire in Exodus, but in a radiant Jesus. And, and so one, and the beautiful thing here is that this is not just about being a God that Jesus has this radiance. It's for all of us. I, I had an Old Testament professor who once said that human beings are light bulbs that haven't been screwed in. Right? And when we, when we get closer to God, when we are reconnected in our relationship with God, we become radiant. And if you ever look at stained glass windows, you see those people with the, the balls around their head? It's trying to capture that radiance of, of a life fulfilled in Jesus. Or, or it's Jesus himself in this case. But um, that's, that's the thing. We are called to be... be tied into Jesus, to be so connected with Jesus that his glory shines through us. And Moses and Elijah show up on this mountain with him as a representative of Torah, the law, and the prophets. And there's some, we'll look at why they're, they're important there in a moment. Uh, Todd Hunter is a bishop in California, and he tweeted this week, and he said, hey guys, Wednesday, next Wednesday is Ash, is Ash Wednesday. It's the beginning of Lent. Have you come up with your Lenten discipline yet? If not, would you please consider adopting more silence into your life? And if you are a parent, you know that silence is golden. So I'm like, yes, I will, Bishop Todd. Thank you. And he said that when we practice silence, we are training ourselves to be alert to God and to the needs of others. But when we are silent, it's hard because we can feel exposed. Thoughts come to mind we'd rather not consider. But he says that silence is alive in God's presence as we learn to listen to his voice. Poor Peter did not get silence. And whenever there was a gap, he had to fill it. He had to fill it with noise. Whenever there was a lull in activity, he had to fill it up with things to do. Peter just couldn't be still. And now the Christian life is one where we need to hold something in tension. Peter was over here with this intimacy with Jesus, friendship, and he was quite comfortable acting and doing impulsively as he did. But what happened with the transfiguration is that Jesus became greater and more powerful than Peter ever imagined. And that's the tension we need to hold, the awesome and almighty God and the intimate friend. 
And we need to be here. And if we go one, too far one way or the other, then we run the risk of, of not being healthy spiritually. We need to live in that tension. So Peter, when he sees Moses and Elijah, he goes, great, this is fantastic. Let's capture this moment. It's kind of like people who you know, are on a cruise ship or there's this beautiful sunset and they got to like, not only take a picture of it, but they got to do a selfie thing where they, you know, we got to capture the moment. And the problem with trying to capture the moment with your phone is that your phone can't capture moments. It can capture images. Peter couldn't capture the moment with construction he, want, like he needed to be attentive to the moment and the presence of God in it. Can we be so attentive? Can we be so present? After Peter blurts out, I'm going to make some shelters, it's going to be great, God cuts him off before he starts going to collect twigs. And he says, and, and when God's voice spoke, they fall flat on their face. They covered their heads. And God speaks, and this is why the transfiguration is important, because it tells us how much the Father loves the Son. This is my Son, whom I love, whom I cherish, the one I treasure, and I am pleased with him. Jesus is heading to the cross, but he's not a cast off. God loves him. And then he says, listen to him. Now here, remember the scene, Moses and Elijah, three disciples, and Jesus in the middle. And the voice says, listen to him. Not just the disciples, but Elijah and Moses. Jesus is the one who has authority. So we see that God loves the Son, and we see who has the true authority. When we read Scripture, when we approach Scripture, it's through the lens of Jesus, because all Scripture points to Jesus, and we need to remember that. But also, so we have the, the, the God of Jesus is beloved. He has authority. But we also see humanity fulfilled in Jesus. And we are to be encouraged that this is our destination too. To be glorified alongside Jesus. Years ago, I, I worshipped at a church in Moncton called uh, St. Philip's. And it was an Anglo-Catholic church. So it had smells and bells had robes and all kinds of stuff. And uh, I was going to a Baptist university. And once I became comfortable with the Anglo-Catholic expression, I started to invite my friends to come experience it with me. And one day I invited my friend Tony to come and worship with us. And he came, he sat with my aunt, and, uh, and he was kind of weirded out right away because he came into this space which looked very different from a Baptist sanctuary. And he sat there and people were kneeling on these weird bench things and no one was talking. Everyone was in silent prayer. And he sat there looking around like this. And I was up front getting things ready at the altar. I was a server at this church. And, and I just looked at him and I was chuckling to myself because he looked so out of place. And then the organ started and this big cross on a pole comes out the side, a processional cross, and the choir, all people in robes come down the side aisle singing, and then they go up. And through the service, there's chanting and incense and candles everywhere. And after the service, I went to Tony and I said, uh, what do you think? And he goes, it was awesome. I said, Really? There wasn't any drums. There wasn't an electric guitar. Really? That was awesome? 
He said, when I go to church, at my church, I get to spend time with my buddy Jesus. When I came to your church, I got to worship God Almighty. God is so much bigger here. I was like, wow. When the disciples heard the voice, they fell face down on the ground and they were terrified. And you can just imagine them covering up their faces to block out the light and to block out the sound. Here's the cool part. What does Jesus do with his glory? He turns off the light and he approaches his disciples and he touches them and he says, don't be afraid. When we are in darkness, it's easy to believe that God is far, far away, that he doesn't care, that he doesn't see. But Jesus came so that he might be present with us in our darkness. And to you he is saying, do not be afraid. I am with you. Lift up your head. Take the next step. Keep moving forward. Because I have a plan and a purpose for you. Jesus knew where their, their journey was going. And he walked with them. So Jesus, in his glory, seeks intimacy with us. And when they raised their heads, they only saw Jesus. There's a change in Peter at this point because as they're going down the mountain, Jesus says, don't tell anybody what you just saw and experienced until after I've been raised from the dead. And Peter didn't say, but you're not going to die. Look what just happened to you. Or if people just knew about this, then they would believe in you and you could have a huge following. Peter stayed silent. He didn't try to be a counselor or a PR director. He let Jesus be Jesus. We're about to enter Lent, a season of self-denial, of compassion, and prayer. For many of us, this is not a mountaintop experience but a valley. And we are often faced with our own imperfections, our lack of self-control, and where our, self, uh, our self-control is put to the test, we can get pretty cranky with one another. So I want to encourage us to remember the transfiguration, to remember the glory we've been called to. The lessons we learn here is that Jesus is the beloved, and everything we do in Lent, if it's not out of love and devotion for him, is not worth doing. Guilt or a sense of obligation cannot be enough. We remember, too, that Jesus has the authority. So this is a season for us to say, Lord, am I walking in humble obedience with you or am I insisting on my own way? And if we are, it's time to turn around. And finally, we are to remember that glory, and Paul wrote in Romans how the future glory that we've been destined for, present suffering can't even hold a spark to that. So when we are discouraged, remember this is not the end of the story, but our destination with Jesus is. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for coming into our mess, and thank you for showing what can be and what will be. 
I pray for us all, Lord, that as we enter into the season of Lent, that you would teach us what it is you want us to do, and that out of love, we could deny ourselves and seek your glory. And Lord, we pray that you would open our senses to your presence and open our minds and our wills to follow your purpose, that you may be glorified in all that we say and do. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.